Karen Blixen said that you have to be true to the story, not necessarily to the truth. If for the sake of telling the story, you have to change certain historical facts, that's what you do to make the story work. You're listening to Archipelago, a podcast about arts, culture and ideas in Denmark. I'm your host, James Clasper, and in this episode, we'll be sourcing our plies from our pirouettes as we head to the Royal Theatre in Copenhagen, where the life story of one of Denmark's best-known writers is being told through that most expressionistic yet wordless form of storytelling, ballet. Ballet has a long history here in Copenhagen. I think we are the second or third oldest ballet company. Gregory Dean is a principal dancer and choreographer at the Royal Danish Ballet. Founded in 1748, it's best known for the choreographer August Bornanville. The director of the ballet for almost 50 years during the 19th century, he's famous for creating the distinctly Danish style of dancing known as the Bornanville technique. Bourneville is known for its intricate footwork, a lot of jumps for the men. The musical phrasing is very specific. Now, I want to come clean right up front. Going into this episode, my feelings about ballet were hard to pin down. I'd seen The Nutcracker many times and always enjoyed it. But otherwise, I viewed ballet as an inherently conservative part of the culture, with outdated reference points and an old-fashioned fascination with fairy tales which I think is what makes the kind of storytelling that August Bournonville was drawn to so interesting. He believed also in putting the stories of real people on stage. So it wasn't um, kings and queens and princes and princesses. It was kind of the girl from next door, the Italian peasant girl. It was more this kind of story. The story he's referring to is the life of Karen Blixen, the celebrated Danish author who wrote under the pen name Isaac Dinesen and who's best known for writing Seven Gothic Tales, the short story Babette's Feast, and Out of Africa, a memoir of the 17 years she spent living in Kenya, which was adapted into a Hollywood movie starring Meryl Streep as Blixen and Robert Redford as her dashing but doomed lover, Dennis Finch Hatton. Now, if everything you know about Karen Blixen comes from that movie, then the Royal Danish Ballet's brand new production, Blixen, will change that. Gregory Dean, who plays Dennis Finch Hatton, is the ballet's choreographer. And so I asked him how it came about. Nikolai Huber, the director of the Royal Danish Ballet, came to me and he has had this idea of doing a Karen Blixen ballet for many, many years. And so he came to me and was like, would you be interested in, in taking it on? And you can't really say no to an offer like that. Originally, Nikolai had said that he wanted to only tell the out of Africa part of the story. As I was researching and I read the book and I saw the film and sort of read more around her life, I felt like the African part, although it was a very significant part of her life, there was so much more story either side of it that possibly people aren't aware of that I thought we it would be interesting to explore in a different way because, you know, we have Out of Africa, the film, so to it didn't feel urgent or necessary for me to create a ballet of the film that already exists. So it was like trying to create something that was 
new and possibly or hopefully showing how I mean I don't know I don't know exactly what Karen Blixen's psychology was but from what I've read and what I've seen and the way her life went to try and psychologically understand how she went from being a child who lost her father when she was 10 because he committed suicide to being the mythical sorceress grand dame of the Danish literature who kind of had this facade of being the all-knowing Scheherazade-like figure. Um, And how do you get from that to that? I mean, she had such a crazy, beautiful and awful, tragic life. That's Kizzy Matiakis, who has the title role. Like Gregory, she's a principal dancer at the Royal Danish Ballet and a fellow Brit. They both moved to Copenhagen over a decade ago. Yet, I think it's fair to say, when the idea of doing a ballet about Blixen was first raised, neither of them was especially familiar with her. Oh, not very. <laughs> I wish I could say that I'm just so well read. With, um, I had seen the movie and I had tried to read two of her works and I buried myself in those as fast as I could. I didn't know anything really. I mean, I knew the name and I knew that out of Africa, I hadn't seen the film at that point either. So I was completely a blank canvas when it came to her. And yeah, just kind of got to work of trying to decipher where, where the ballet was in it, where the performance was, where can I visually imagine people on stage dancing to tell this story. I mean, I read a lot about her. I listened, I had an audiobook of Judith Thurman's book, Isaac Dinesen. But then the turning point was finding actually this this book, the the um it's like a graphic novel about her life called um, La Lyonne. It's in it's in French, um, Portrait de Karen Blixen. And suddenly it was telling her story in a visual way rather than in a tech a, a, a prosaic way and suddenly it kind of opened up oh okay this can be told with images and and uh, without words indeed for me this is one of the things that makes blicks in the ballet so intriguing so ironic even that a story about a master storyteller has to be told without the very tools of her trade it's difficult because she was a woman of words and that's the one thing that I don't have. And so it's really difficult to turn that complex of a character into a physicality. But that, of course, is precisely what makes ballet so fascinating an art form. In ballet, unlike in storytelling or in opera, there's no words. There's no words to say, we are just coming back from a lion hunt. And then you contextually, you know where you are and what you've just been doing. In ballet, how do you say that? How do you, how do you show that? Because you, you have to physically show everything that you want the audience to understand. And that's both the, the challenge, but also what makes ballet so unique. What ballet does really well is to display the inner workings of someone and all of the space between the words with people. You know, the looks at people, the body language, how people are interacting with each other. That's what ballet storytelling is. And in a way, I think that's its strength in that it can it can speak to a, a more primitive part of the brain that it's like, 
you haven't told me that you're angry, but I can see that you're angry, but I can even see that you're trying to hide that you're angry without you even having to say anything. It was finding those moments in her story, which I felt could work, that ballet would be the best way to display what she was going through. Because her own text is so, so dense when you read it. I have to admit, I find it quite difficult to read Blixen. But then when I read her letters from Africa, suddenly it was more of a conversation and that helped me get more into her, more than her writing did. In early October, about a month before the premiere, I sat in on a rehearsal session at the theatre. As perhaps you can tell, the score for the ballet is by the French composer Claude Debussy. The scene they were rehearsing was from the third act and shows Blixen, now in her 60s, developing an intense friendship with the young poet Torquil Bjornevai. This is also the first time that Karen is, is the one who's um, in control of the situation. The scene typifies what a complex woman Blixen was and how challenging it is to portray that complexity and the bond she made with a much younger married man, all without words. It can easily swing into evil, sexy lady. <laughs> and it's, it's actually really interesting for me to see what tiny, subtle changes can really throw it in the wrong direction. I have to be so careful. I don't want it to become a caricature of an older woman and I don't want it to be a caricature of manipulative sort of... Oh, it's so hard. Also playing with that she... I don't think that she was necessarily sexually interested, but there was definitely, a, in my opinion, a, a, a need for male attention. And in physicality, that automatically becomes sort of a sensual, sort of slinky physicality. But you can't do that playing. It's really complicated. And that's what I'm talking about with where I am at the moment, like really trying to find that fine balance. It's, uh, it's difficult. I hope I get there. Having seen Kizzy's performance, I can assure you that she does. Of course, given the wordless restraints of ballet, much of the heavy lifting in terms of scene setting and location is done by the set and costume design. Taking care of that is Olivier Award winner John Morell. This is a Karen safari skirt and, and blouses. And with the story spanning three continents and six decades, he certainly has his work cut out. It's enormous, really. And we're sort of covering the whole of, whole of our life. So it's a big, you know, it's a sort of huge challenge. The thing is to stop it being a documentary. The ballet avoids falling into that trap, thanks, among other things, to the clever use of foreshadowing. Equally smart is the set design, which employs state-of-the-art video projections and lavish scenic elements, such as elegant columns to depict the Friesenborg estate where the young Karen Dienison meets her future husband, Baron Braw Blixen. In terms of costume design, though, some of the eras the ballet spans did John no favours at all. You know, the 20s is absolutely, you know, a disaster for a ballet because you can't... All those dresses in particular are loose-fitting. They're, they're a nightmare for partnering. So... And we really wanted to do that. So, you know, the choreography is, is such that we can actually... Um, construct these dresses in, in a sort of, a, you know, in a, in a 20s way. John told me he'd long been familiar with Karen Blixen 
and that her remarkable life story meant he leapt at the opportunity to work with Gregory Dean on the brand new ballet about her. As a child, I, when I was a teenager, I was just, I became aware of her just through photographs of her and of this sort of extraordinary looking woman. I used to sketch her, not really knowing who she was. I found out a little bit about her. I read a few of her books. Obviously, I saw the film Out of Africa. You know, the ad- adversity that she faced, that, that's always interesting. You know, there was a sort of, a, there's a constant struggle, be it in, in, you know, artistically or creatively as a writer or as a, you know, running a co- coffee plantation or living in Africa or having, you know, these c- catastrophic or they sort of see um, uh, unfulfilled relationships, you know, with men. I think that's what's interesting about her. Now, you might think that telling Blixen's adversity-filled life story would be tricky, and that fitting ballerinas into flapper dresses would be the very least of your problems. But as Greg explains, the kind of struggles she faced a grist to the mill at the ballet. I actually think the psychological part and the emotional part is the easier part in ballet because that's what it does. That's what the language of ballet does. It displays emotions and feelings. Unless you put a bottle on stage that says syphilis medication, it's very difficult to know when she's coming out from a visit with a doctor. Does she have syphilis? Does she have this? But, you know, is it important that she has syphilis or is it important to know that she's ill and that her husband has given it to her? That's kind of the message that you want to come across, whether she has, I mean, someone can read the programme and find out that it's syphilis. But I think as someone who is watching it with a blank page, you can see that she's gone to a doctor, you can see that she's ill, and you can see that she's blaming her husband for whatever has happened. And I think that's that's the essence of what that is. Um, and I hope that that will be what the audience will feel is important. In that respect, one of Greg and Kizzy's biggest challenges was finding a way to portray Blixen throughout her lifetime. I play her from a young age all the way through. So I have to find a way to start young, but have something recognisable in, in this sort of uh, end product. And Kizzy says Greg noticed something about Blixen that could operate as a kind of physical leitmotif and help the dancer depict her across several decades. She has this very, very particular way of holding her her hands. They're also, she's quite often wearing dark colours, so, and then she's very, very pale. So that's sort of spindly, very interesting, very delicate, yet very strong hand movements. So that's where I started with it. And just by playing with that, it sort of trickles a little bit down, slowly but surely. Now, one thing I find fascinating about the 38-year-old Kizzy's casting in the role are the parallels between her and Blixen. You see, Blixen found fame as a writer later in life. Indeed, the ballet depicts her triumphant trip to New York City in 1959, where she was photographed by Cecil Beaton and celebrated by John Steinbeck. Kizzy had something of a late blossoming too. She was appointed principal dancer at the Royal Danish Ballet only three years ago, a surprisingly late promotion for a soloist. By then, she was well into her 30s, and fast approaching the average retirement age for ballerinas. So I wondered, was it a stretch to draw the parallel between her and Blixen? No, you're not forcing it at all. It's, um, it couldn't be more perfect, really. Um, I think I'm at the point in my career, but also in my life, where, I mean, of course, 
preferably you'd be a bit older to play the older, but then I couldn't play the younger. And in the other cast, we've got two wonderful artists, um, Ida Poitorius and Gudrun Boyerson, who are going to play Karen, but two in one evening. So Ida will play the younger Karen and Gudrun will play the older Karen. And I think that that's so interesting that which night you come on, it will, it will be quite a different experience, I think, to see uh, one version where it's played by one person and another where it's played by two. So I have these two women who are both so incredibly inspiring for me that are able to sort of delve each into their own side of, of her. So it's like Christmas for me. I get to like have the best of both worlds to inspire me. It's really, really nice. Having said that, I feel really lucky to be able to to be able to do both. And I think it's only at this point in my career where I would be able to do that. How, though, does she feel about playing one of the country's best-loved writers? Damn, there's a lot of pressure to, to be, you know, this uh, iconic character that I have a feeling everybody has their version of. I have a, also a feeling that it's quite strong opinions and, and um, sort of passionate uh, images of what they believe. So what I'm trying to do is decide what mine is and then stick to that because I think as long as I can find an honest Blixen that belongs to me I can't go wrong instead of just trying to please what I think everybody wants me to be yeah it's a bit terrifying being not Danish but at the same time I wonder if I were a Dane would it be more terrifying it's like uh, I didn't grow up she's not in my blood I didn't grow up, you know, with the same as I would if it was, uh, I don't know, you know what I mean. Um, so there's a freedom in that, but there's also like a, oh God, they're going to eat me alive. <laughs> we'll see, won't we? Her answer echoes something Greg told me too. It was very important for me to find my own Blixen as well. You know, the, I'm sure there will be, or I'm certain <laughs> that there will be uh, Blixen experts who will come and see the ballet and probably be very offended or feel like I didn't capture the essence of it or feel that I missed this part and how could I miss that part and blah, 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 blah. And they're entitled to feel that way. I can only give my emotional and artistic response to the materials that I have pulled on. And also I have a Blixen expert who I've been working very closely with to make sure that details are correct. She's actually Katerina Dinissen. So she's a member of the family who has been essential in creating the synopsis for this ballet. Greg says Katerina's role was also to remind him of things that were important to Blixen. And indeed, there was something that Blixen once said that turned out to be pivotal to the production of the ballet. And that was that you have to be true to the story, not necessarily to the truth. If for the sake of telling the story, you have to change certain historical facts, that's what you do to make the story work. And that was very, very freeing in that it's like Blixen herself has given carte blanche to tell the story that you want to tell in the best possible way, whether this fact is wrong or that fact, or, you know, whether it was her uncle Mons Fries who gave her husband Bro the farmer, whether it was her other uncle or Westenholz, it doesn't like it's good to know those facts. It's good for that I have taken it in and digested it. But then in order to create a flow and create a performance that isn't that that has air in it, it was important to kind of also give myself that free, free hand. An example of the kind of dramaturgical liberties that the ballet takes is in its supernatural depiction of the Faustian pact 
that Blixen claims she made. She often mentioned that she has this relationship to the devil, that when she was diagnosed with syphilis in Africa, that she made a pact with the devil that he would turn all of her pain into stories. And also when she was older, she would say, oh, you know, my best friend, the devil. And she kind of used that character as being a very sort of driving force in her life somehow, or a sparring partner in some way, this kind of imaginative version of the devil. So we actually have the devil in the show as being kind of the puppeteer or the 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 ringmaster of he you know he's there when the father commits suicide he's there when she's leaving for africa he's there when she gets her syphilis diagnosis and he just keeps turning up and saying yep yeah, this this is me but there's a reason like you'll find it out later you're suffering now but i uh, like i'm going to get back to you and this is why which again is something that i think the the impressionistic and the non-realistic language of ballet allows us i mean we're already removed from reality by the fact that no one is talking and the ladies are on point shoes so it it allows the audience to go with that version of storytelling i have to say as someone with only a basic understanding of ballet i was gripped by blixen it's a remarkable production, an exercise in elegant yet economical storytelling, and a fascinating depiction of a strange yet wonderful woman's life. If you have any interest in Danish arts, culture, or literature, I can't recommend it highly enough. And I certainly think we'll be hearing much more about it in the weeks and months to come. I feel like there's a, quite a buzz about it. I'm trying to sort of ignore it and just stay truthful to myself and find my way like Meryl not that I'm Meryl Streep at all but Meryl Streep wasn't Blixen but she played a beautiful portrayal of of what she went through and I think that that's what I have to remember is that as long as I decide my opinion of and together with Greg obviously because it's his vision but as long as I'm doing something honest, like it or don't, you can at least appreciate a portrayal of somebody's uh, incredible life. I mean, she had such a crazy, beautiful and awful, tragic life. I mean, it's a, it's a joy to be able to tell that story because she really went through some crazy things. That was Kizzy Matiakis, a principal dancer at the Royal Danish Ballet in Copenhagen and the title character in Blixen, the theatre's astonishing new ballet which premieres on the 9th of November. I'm certain that won't be the last you hear of Blixen, the ballet or the writer. There are at least two movies about her in production, as well as two forthcoming books. But if you'll excuse the pun, it's the Royal Danish Ballet that has raised the bar when it comes to masterful storytelling about Karen Blixen. And that brings us to the end of the episode. I hope you've enjoyed listening to it. If you have, tell your friends, and if you're feeling generous, Take a second to review or rate us wherever you get your podcasts. This episode was written, produced, and hosted by me, James Clasper, for Mother Tongue Media. The sound design is by two Copenhagen-based musicians, Squares and Triangles and Scenery. Many thanks for listening, and see you in a few weeks.